at the Center for Education Research and Innovation, we're in the habit of asking questions that matter and looking for answers that impact. But how do you do that? How does a researcher get to that point? What we do know is that researchers are united in their curiosity. What we don't know is the stories behind the curiosity. Let's dive in. Welcome everyone to another episode of The Curiosity Habit and today is a very special episode because it's the first time that we're going to be having a conversation with a duo researcher, like a, a collaborator, two collaborators who have been working for a while and I have the, have the pleasure to work with them individually but, but what has struck me the most is how they have forged a nice collaboration throughout the years and we're curious to know what their experiences are, are about from them. So we have Dr. Corey Ladona. She's an assistant professor in the Department of Innovation in Medical Education and the Department of Medicine at the University of Ottawa, and Emily Field, a PhD candidate in the Department of Women's Studies at Western and also a research associate at CRI. Before we get into the collaboration, first of all, welcome. And I, I have to say also for the listeners to know, we have a, a third um, invited speaker for us. He's Benjamin. He's three months old and he's Emily's son so if you hear them around like he's just with us for for the ride today welcome you both thank you thank you for inviting us yeah i'm excited good so before we get into the actual working together i just wanted to ask you if each of you can share uh something about yourself without telling us about your research who are you corey let's start with you huh where to start um, so I am an expat. I'm American and I moved to Canada in 2005. Uh, I am from Rochester, New York. I am a massive Buffalo Bills fan. I am also a mom of two little girls and two beagles. Okay. Emily. Sure. So I'm a mom. I have a three-year-old and then a three-and-a-half-month-old. Um, animal lover, big time on cats and dogs. What else? Also would say a podcast enthusiast, uh, mostly true crime. Sorry, Sarah. <laughs> that's probably it. Okay, good. So as I was saying, uh, one of the things that have struck me about you two is that every time I chatted with you in different meetings, you always talk about how fun it was to work with each other. And I wanted just to pick your brain into how did it all start for you two? So we met um, on a project that I did kind of as a side gig when I was doing my postdoc at CRI. Uh, and it, that was a study looking at patients' experiences of living with Parkinson's disease and using visual methods, which is why I was brought on because Syra, you and I have, have worked together and developed some expertise around that. Uh, Emily was hired onto that project as NRA, and that's where we first uh, started meeting together, and and I'll and I think it was an instant kind of connection. We both kind of got along, but we also uh, both recognized early on we each have our expertise and strength, and it's really been you know a partnership. You know, I've I was kind of tasked with teaching Emily how to collect and analyze data, but she's also taught me a lot from her world in women's studies, and that has just continued. I don't know if your memories are any different, Emily. No, mine was similar. I started on that project, um, but I hadn't done any qualitative research data collection at that point. I was still super early 
um, in the PhD. So it was like both exciting and scary um, because you're asking people about, you're asking them for really intimate details about their lives um, and you want to do it in a way that's thoughtful. Um, yeah. And I was just very nervous about it. So Corey took me, let's say kind of like under her wing, like she, we did, you know, practice stuff with each other. And then, um, you know, Corey kind of led two of the main interviews and I was sort of job shadowing, I guess you could say almost. And then kind of let me go. And she sat in on, on that other interview and, and then gave feedback. So uh, for me, it was definitely like a mentorship piece because I, yeah, I hadn't done it before and I was really nervous. I wanted to do it right, but also just respectful to, you know, these are people with complicated illnesses and coming in sometimes on bad days or good days. And I just wanted to get it right, so to speak. Yeah. And one thing that I was thinking about, like, even though you started in a project for someone else's, um, what are the topics that you found keep them to get working together? How did you found, find those topics and uh, what, what are those ideas that keep you in this path of collaboration? So I think the one piece for that particular study was I think the commonality of uh, the patient experience. Emily can speak to her PhD research, but my research very much looked at patient experience of chronic illness in a clinical health research setting. And then I brought that to MedEd and really interested in kind of unpacking meaningful inclusion of patients in teaching and assessment. And Emily can speak to her research, but I think that was probably what perhaps brought Emily to the project was this adding that voice that's often uh, less heard in the medical and medical education literature. And then from there, we just, we have a lot of fun. And so it's, there's some common pieces, but it's also, can we find an excuse to work together? Um, Emily, what, what do you think? Yeah, I think so. I think Corey and I also both are just um, big lovers of qualitative research. Like I think you and I just love it, uh, think it has value and sort of always enjoyed, you know, for me, learned, I was learning lots from Corey at that time, especially because I hadn't used visual methods. So all the learning piece, I think Corey and I actually both really enjoyed, um, like trying to figure out method, methodology and methods, um, narrative, all of those pieces. And then, yeah, I think you and I also just both come at research with like a sense of humor, um, both have a similar process in that it's like very like verbal diarrhea, just like, here's a thought, here's a thought, and, here's a thought. and like, are you seeing transcript three? Da, 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 da. So there was a lot of, um, I think we have like a similar kind of stream of consciousness methodology like how we do our analysis is very similar I think in that way um yeah so it's just like an enjoyable enjoyable thing I will say this Corey is like much more of a night owl so <laughs> I will get stuff at like midnight from Corey <laughs> go to bed you know I don't I don't operate at this time um but yeah I think we're very similar in our our approach to analysis um, which I think also makes it a lot easier because there is sort of that back and forth versus both of us being kind of in a individual dark dungeon doing it. Um, yeah. And I, I think at our, we're both nerds, obviously, I think, you know, anybody who wants to do this, we like to think about the big questions, but we also like to tease out 
the granularities, right? And I think what Emily was saying about the, the night owl versus a morning person, I think that really came to light when we shared a room at the Siri master, writing masterclass. Oh. And, you know, it was very clear that she is extroverted and sunshiny and I am introverted and not a morning person. And we needed to negotiate how are we going to make this work, right? And I think we still do that in both our friendship and our collaboration. And I think part of it in terms of the research is, I can say, Emily can send me something and I can say, leave this with me. Um, I'm not going to even look at this until later when I know you're asleep probably and take another crack at it in the morning when I'm off. Uh, and I think that is helpful. And I think the other piece that makes things really interesting is I know that I was able to do some teaching with Emily around methods, but she has taught me so much about uh, gender studies and, and race, critical race studies that I'm, I think we need to be asking these questions in med ed and I have no background in them. And I feel one of the things, so it's, it's lovely because I feel like Emily and I, and Emily, feel free to disagree, but I think we can be vulnerable with each other to say, I don't understand this. Can I ask you what might be a really dumb question that I'm really uncomfortable asking? And can we just talk about it? And I think it, it, it could be a big question about something happening. For example, we had a lot of conversations during the Black Lives Matter protests last summer about, you know, how to frame this and how do I approach family about this and, you know, those big questions. But it's also, hey, I don't, I'm getting stuck here on, you know, when's it time to move to the next level of analysis? And I think that's so important in collaborative work to be able to not only have fun, but to be able to ask the questions you might not want to be vulnerable enough to ask other colleagues. Right. And it strikes me that conversation is a big part of your collaboration. And I was wondering, how is, does this happen? Because most people think that you have to schedule meetings to do the data analysis. I'm very much process driven. So that's kind of my approach. But you are a little bit different. Uh, is it by phone? Is it by email? Is it by something else? Like, how do you keep the conversation going, especially now that you live in two different places? Emily, you want to take that one? Sure. So pre-COVID and before Corey had um, moved to Ottawa, I was like definitely the annoying person beside her desk. <laughs> hey, Corey. <laughs> da -da 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 -da. And now as a, like a parent to young children, I think about that, Corey, where you're like, I've got six hours, man. I've got to get it all in. Please stop messaging. But we, um, yeah, so we did a lot of that just kind of conversation as we were going through things. Certainly there was some formal, you know, we would schedule like a block of time to dedicate to whatever stage of analysis we were in. Um, yeah, lots of like over messenger kind of chats. I mean, obviously not sharing data, but sharing thoughts and insights. Um, and even just, you know, which one are you on? I'm on transcript seven. Okay, I'll, I'll catch up, blah, blah, blah. I think that, yeah, I think it's also just Corey and I, like we take qualitative research and what we're doing very seriously and each other's ideas seriously, but I think there's a lot of levity. Um, you know, just with just general stuff, like, I don't know, technology. I've always made fun of Corey for having, what is it, Yahoo? Oh, wow. <laughs> what email? <laughs> so just, you know, there's, I think, a lot of, like, humor, um, a lot of levity. It's fun. Um, so the conversation is usually kind of ongoing on multiple platforms, depending on what exactly is taking place. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that it hasn't, I haven't found it that challenging, honestly, but like we're, we're friends. I think there's a friendship there, uh, but certainly the research came first, I would say, and then the friendship developed through it. I don't remember what year, if it was 2015 or 2016, but I'm not sure we've had a conversation end since. So we're constantly on Messenger, whether it's something work-related or just life-related or, hey, I saw something funny. I think I thought of you when I saw this. It cracked me up. Um, And I think that's unique. I'm friends with a lot of my colleagues, but this is a bit of a different thing. I think we have, my kids are older, but we do have the shared motherhood piece. We have the shared trying to navigate PhDs and defenses and early career stuff. We have a similar sense of humor. Um, And aside from that is all of the academic, nerdy methodological stuff. And then those big and little questions we're both interested in. And I think we respect each other. Um, I really respect Emily's opinion. If I have to give a talk or if I'm, if I have a question about how to approach a student, I'll run it by her first and say, what do you think? Is there something I could be doing better? And I, I think that's really important. For sure. Go ahead. I'm just going to say the respect thing is huge because I think Coriel and I also aren't afraid to um, challenge each other, but like in a, in a constructive way, but there are, you know, especially for me coming into medical education as not a med ed person, um, there was so much, I was like, the learning curve was huge. There's so much I still don't know. Right. I, I, I want to know. I want to learn. But there was things I would miss or in my discipline, we are maybe a little bit more prone to making kind of large sweeping claims and feel pretty comfortable doing it. Um, and so, you know, Corey being able to say to me like, whoa, hold on, we don't, you know, let's take a second. Do we have the data to support that? Or is there a different way to nuance that? It, it always came from a place. Um, I always was able to kind of receive it as, like a thoughtful critique in a, in a way that made the research better. And I think for Corey, it's the same thing. She'll send me stuff and I feel comfortable offering feedback. Um, but I think it's always coming from a place of, we both want to see each other just do the best research possible. It's so nice to hear that um, part of what makes this collaboration work is, is that friendship that comes from also the fortune of being able to share similar stages in your lives, which I think is very important and that adds to the respect. It's harder when you are collaborating with someone who is more senior, who is more senior than you for sure. Friendship is probably not in the line. But most people, or in my opinion, some people uh, might think that mixing work with friendship might bring more challenges than benefits. What is your take on that? Uh, And also I'm curious about how you navigate disagreements. Have you had any stories about disagreements? Ah, that could get juicy. I don't know that we've had any major disagreements. We are, um, we have had conversations like, okay, if we work together, we're friends here. How is this going to go? Lots, especially around authorship or, um, but we do have conversations. I think it's more organic. Some of them are, we really need to think about this. Where are you going to be on the authorship list? Where am I? Am I doing taking over too much? Do you want a piece? You know, but I don't know. Have we had any big disagreements, Emily? You I can don't think of any. I think part of it is that I think Corey's hilarious. So Corey has like this <laughs> exceptional wit, and like um, I say snark, but I say snark with loving. Like you just are so funny that I I don't I don't know. Usually I don't take 
I can't think of a time I've taken it personal. Like I think I just genuinely find it most things funny um, because I think you intend them that way, by the way. Um, I don't think we've had disagreements. I think because there is a lot of humor in the relationship. Um, maybe that's one of the ways that like it acts as almost a buffer. Um, but I think at the end of the day, both of us are usually focused on the same thing. How do we make the research better? I think that's always like, it comes down to it where I'll say something and Corey will be like, yes, that's great. But where's the, like, how is that new? What are you, what are you uncovering that's different or new? And then, you know, I will be, why does it have to be new? Why can't it just be like, why, what's the, you know, those types of things or like, you know, Corey might remind me like, we don't need to go in that intense in how we frame that. And yeah, I would say that's maybe like the areas of pushback is for me is just like, you know, tempering, some of my more inflammatory language. Um, but I think it's always coming from a place of, yeah, wanting the research to be good. And we both know that. How do we make this good? How do we bring this to life? How do we make sure that what's important from what we did um, makes it to who we, you know, I want, I want people to hear it. So how do, how do we do that? And I think because Corey and I both focus so much on, you know, these are people's stories, they're their lives that they share with you it's all about making sure that goes to where you want it to go. So fighting with each other, just, I don't think it's ever made, I just think you're so focused on where you want this to go that um, we usually can do some give and take on how we get there, but the end goals are always the same. That's good to know. I'm also curious about, like you have so much fun together, like you work really nice together. How did you transition to working other collaborations? Like when you have to, move away from Corey and Emily's work to maybe Corey and someone else's work who is more senior, in your case, Corey, or Emily, you with another person. What does this collaboration have taught you? Yeah. And how do you transition? Hmm. I would say, so I would say that the way Emily and I work as a pair, we have to adjust it a little bit when other members of our team join in because they may not want 50 Facebook messenger, uh, things about how cool, you know, where are you on transcript and whatever. Um, so I think that there's part of that is to say we work really well in this casual, but rigorous way. And there's going to be jokes and we might talk about, you know, analyzing focus coding, but we're also going to like jump in. Like my kids are driving me nuts right now. I can't, you know, but we kind of naturally know we need to temper that when we bring in other uh, collaborations. I think one thing, and I don't, I don't know that I would have before you asked that question, pinned it directly on this collaboration, but I do try to keep collaborations lighthearted. Like, and even when I'm meeting with a student or a new colleague, it's, you know, this is supposed to be fun, right? You know, it's going to be hard and it's not always glamorous. And there are pieces of this that feel like a, a bit of a slug, but it's supposed to be fun, right? And it's about, you know, how can we make this fun? How can we build that in some way? Um, but yeah, I, I think we have a unique collaboration because we have that friendship, <coughs> excuse me, casual piece that I might temper and other relationships, but it's still the baseline. I think to do good research, you have to have the fundamentals that Emily and I have. You have to kind of like each other. You have to have a little bit of fun and you have to have 
curiosity and the willingness to kind of be vulnerable with each other, but also to push back. So I think I try to bring that in. That's my take. What do you think, Emily? I think when you and I work with other people, there's um, like, I have started to make sure that we start with the other person's thoughts first, because I think because there is a long standing friendship and, you know, it is a stream of consciousness thing where we're, you know, I'll send her an email and say, you know, this is an analytic note. Um, I know we're not going to read it or review this, but I just don't want to forget it. And so Corey and I are having some of these conversations in the background. And then you do an analysis meeting and not everybody, again, wants to be inundated with like a 2 a.m. email, right? So it's making sure that I think Corey and I try and be cognizant. I don't know if we're successful, but I do think we try to make sure we start with other voices first, because I think we can, because we have that relationship, possibly dominate. Um, so there's, maybe that's the, the, the bad part of working with, with people who have an established relationship is that it is easy for them to engage in that conversation. It may be hard for, for other people to jump in. So I think we try and be conscious how successful we are. I guess we need like a, someone to review us. Um, I think the other thing is Corey's right. So I really value the autonomy that I have uh, working with Syra yourself, um, Chris, all, all the people I have, I do work for. Um, I love that I'm given this autonomy and given like my voice really matters in those collaborations. So that's something for me where I would rather turn down a collaboration if I don't think that's going to be there, even if I really love the research. Uh, Cause I just don't see, I don't see it adding value to, to me specifically. I, I don't think I would enjoy it. But I also don't know if I would bring value to a project that I just felt where it was kind of hostile and not, I do think there has to be sort of that organic, yeah, like collegiality, um, desire for everybody to push each other to be better, to make sure that the research is really rigorous. And if that's not there on the team, I think it's really difficult to make that happen. So I think those are important things. And then it should be fun, right? Like it, 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 you should enjoy doing this work. We're really privileged to do this work. Um, not everybody gets to like explore new ideas and questions and learn every day. So it, it should be fun. It should be enjoyable. And, and I think also it has to be enjoyable, especially because this is a career that by itself carries a lot of rejections and disappointments. Yeah. And that is a nice transition to the next question, which is we all have rejections. We all have our ways of, overcoming the rejection, but we call it the center licking your wounds. And I was wondering if you have stories of licking your wounds together when you get a, have gotten a rejection. What happens when you get a no or something that really sparks you? I will say that Emily is probably the first person that I will, one of the first people I will go to with news, good or bad. Um, so either life or work. So, uh, this paper got rejected. I'm, I'm so upset or, wow, I got really good news. Here's this. What do you think? Because I know that we'll both kind of celebrate that and give each other space. We had, without going into details, I think part of what forged our relationship was that we were part of a really ethically challenging research collaboration and trying to navigate that and navigating, you know, authorship issues and, you know, some ethical tensions and some other 
tensions that I won't go into. And I think it was that ability to be able to have honest conversations with each other about that. So I don't know if that's looking our wounds so much is just trying to say, wow, there's a lot of stuff. We're pretty junior here. We're early career. We need to figure this out. And let, can we try to figure it out together? Um, Emily's very successful. I don't know if she's ever shared a rejection with me. Um, she shared lots of successes. Uh, a lot of the licking the wounds, I think for me, Emily, uh, weigh in, but is more the, the daily frustrations. So I'm overloaded or I don't have time to devote to this and you know virtual school is not fun right now and I can't focus and I don't need you to respond I just need to vent so I think there's a lot of venting venting is a good word <laughs> yeah I think well first that that ethically challenging situation again I was super junior I didn't uh I didn't even really know how to advocate for myself I didn't even know we were really being railroaded at first until it was like you know you did this and um it's important for you to get authorship for it uh, and, and Corey kind of actually coaching me through some of that. So it's interesting. I think, thank God, because I think I might've not totally, I knew it was off, but I didn't know why. Um, I didn't totally know how to advocate for myself. So that was helpful for the start. There's like one specific thing. It ended up being successful. And I credit that a lot to Corey, but I was applying for this grant, um, through an organization that largely does, you know, supports clinical kind of research. Um, and maybe more, yeah, more science, like STEM sort of type research. And I'm not, and my research is not. Um, and I was trying to write this grant. <laughs> I can remember it was like, whatever, the day before. And I was almost crying. And I was like, I'm just going to throw it out. I can't do it. I can't do it. And Corey was super, super encouraging and sat with me and we worked it out. Um, so I have that. I share with you largely like the rejections I find funny. Um <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I just, I kind of refuse to take this all personal it, it, because it's, it's, it just does. I don't know. Somehow it, maybe I'm, it's the stage I'm in where it, my, the stakes aren't as high. I think maybe if, you know, 10 years on the line, perhaps it would feel more personal, but I don't know. I don't, I somehow rejections don't bother me that much. I find most funny, like anything that's particularly inflammatory. I usually just think it's funny even if it is unprofessional. So yeah, I guess humor, I don't know. I try, I try not to take them too serious, but my stakes are different, I think, than probably where other people are, where your employing people are trying to get tenure or whatnot. So the wins are great for me and the losses are more often, but they're kind of just background. On that note, I think one of the things I really value about both my friendship and my collaboration with Emily is she's really good at tempering my perfectionism and she's really good at giving me another perspective and being like, Corey, you're taking this way more seriously than somebody else would. Or I, I remember once we were doing, we were writing a grant in Google Docs and she just like, whoa, you love a well-crafted sentence, but could we just move on, right? And so trying to give, give each other that space, but I, I do find that valuable. You know, it's not only bouncing ideas off, but it's saying I'm having this issue or I, I'm struggling with this and this. And Emily's like, it's fine. You're, you're taking this. You just need to take a breath. It's great. Let's work through it together, that kind of thing. And I think that's part of it is a lot of the, and because our conversation is ongoing, I mean, it's 
I could show you screenshot is all day long that I think that we are able to have that, you know, here, I'm really frustrated with this. Can you weigh in? Um, I'm really struggling with this piece. Can you weigh in or can you just give me another perspective? Here's what I'm wrestling with that kind of thing. That is so amazing. I have to say, uh, and how great for you two to have found each other and have had that kind of relationship because it's not easy. Like you can go through your lifetime of research and never think about your colleague as a friend in that way. So yeah. kudos to you for managing all those things and being able to merge your different personalities. That's also impressive. I was wondering about um, expectations. Like when we get into this career, you come with a certain ideas into what research collaboration should look like. Um, what are expectations that did you have that you had at the beginning that were different from reality right now that maybe were taken as you approach this collaboration together? So one thing, and this is um, kind of a plug that I'm trying to build into my practice is from the beginning, I, I said, you know, you're hired as a research assistant, but in qualitative research assistants are super important to this team. You're an instrument of data collection. And so I, you know, you need to be, feel free to be curious and ask questions. And I want to hear your opinions and that. And I think that that can get a bit challenging because the RA role, the research associate role can be kind of confined, constrained. Um, are, are they a team member? Are they not? And in qualitative, they should be. And so that's one of the things that I think happens in various ways, but I would encourage uh, you don't need to Facebook message people all day long, but it is to say you are a research assistant, but you're an investigator here. Um, you are important. You are, need to be curious, ask questions, that kind of thing. And I think that that's one of the things that in collaborations, we need to create that space, no matter who you are on the team, uh, to try to, as much as possible, level out some of those hierarchies so that people know that they have, they're important, they're valuable, we need you, we need you to be curious, we need your comments and your analysis. Um, so that's one piece that I would say I've learned from working with Emily that I'm trying to move forward. Yeah, here we go, I'm closer, here we go. So for me, I think my uh, department and my training before this was we don't really collaborate, right? Like we don't do these these large collaborations. So the whole thing was very new to me. Um, it was also tough because again, I think what you're saying is right, Corey. I didn't know if I was necessarily like hired as an employee or as a research collaborator. And I would say working with you and Syrah actually really helped me delineate the fact that no, you know, I'm valued as a research collaborator. And in fact, given a lot of I don't want to say ownership because it's not my project, but a lot of like autonomy to kind of pursue things that are interesting and curious. And it has been super positive. That said, the one challenge, not so much with YouTube, but just moving in from being in a very, um, you work by yourself, you do all the analysis alone. Is that then like it, it was a hard adaptation for me. Like everybody has an opinion. Oh my God. <laughs> right. Like when we would share things as a group, not so much with our immediate team, but say at like the, the seminars. Sorry, one second. I'm gonna... At the seminars though, we, uh, everyone would have feedback. And I'm like, Oh God, <laughs> like, you know, that's uh, like, I found that sort of overwhelming a little bit where I'm like, okay, we get it. Like, <laughs> 
uh, even though it's actually a very valued part of, of, of research, I've come to see it more valuable, but it was like very, it was like a real shift in mindset for me that like, not only do I have a valuable role in these collaborations, but that you do share these ideas for feedback. You just get inundated with it. <laughs> so trying to figure out how to sort through that too is actually something that's been helpful of learning with like collaborating. Um, but that would be for me one of those things that I found hard is adapting to that. I totally agree with you. Coming from, from a completely different discipline at the beginning can be overwhelming, but, but it's good to have it. And, and, and I agree with that idea that just takes time to get used to and that not everything you like it at the beginning and then you get a flavor for that. For that. I want to take you into a, a little more like lighter question. I hope you don't mind me asking, could you share a moment in your career or a situation in which you felt embarrassed or guilty that now you can laugh about either individually or as a, as a pair? I think I have a lot of those. Between <laughs> <laughs> the two of us, I probably have. See, this is the thing. Corey's so much more careful with what she says and what she writes, which is actually wonderful. I, I need more of that. Um, so again, that's where we balance each other. I told this story, like at the, at our lunches, I like to tell stories that I find funny about things that I've experienced or podcasts and at Siri or at, at one of our lunches, there was a new person there. Um, I told this, like, you know, like, sort like very kind of unprofessional story. I mean, nothing like egregious, just this, this kind of ridiculous story. And, you know, everyone kind of laughed and then the person went and had their meeting and I found out that they were like sort of a big name <laughs> and, education, and like also kind of really value professionalism. And I looked at Corey, I was like, you couldn't have told me that I was telling this story. <laughs> no, he's great. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I might have pumped the brakes on that one if I had known. So I think I'm probably more inclined to do those Um I, yeah, I, I'm a little bit, maybe go off the cuff a little bit too much um, because it is a professional work environment. So <laughs> that one, that one like, I was mortified by for a while. Yeah. Do you have any, Corey? I need to think on that. I don't know that I have any I'd want to share on a podcast. Um, it's okay if you don't, just wondering. Um, I will think on it. Maybe we can get back. Okay, that's fine. I only have two more questions to go before we finish. Like, and two very necessary questions that I usually try to ask everyone. The first of all, the first one is, where are you two working now together? And what's your next curiosity? You take you take the reins on this, Corey. You're the PI. You you tell the you tell the project. So right now, Emily and I are co-leading a Shirk-funded project looking at women's experiences of Me Too, uh, Me Too-related experiences in medicine. So we've had two phases of this. We did a first run-through of Twitter and how women are sharing their experiences on Twitter. And we've done an analysis, which is in the write-up phase. And we're now in the process of interviewing uh, women in medicine, med students, residents, faculty about their experiences and really trying to unpack uh, the intersectional 
piece of it. So how their Me Too related experiences might intersect not only based on gender, but race or socioeconomic status or different abilities. So that's what we're working on now. Uh, we Part of our challenge in terms of our curiosity is we need to learn to focus because we get so excited and it's like oh we need to look at this next we need to what do you think about this here's a really cool place to go so one of the things i would love to look at is is kind of how intersectionality and some of these questions around gender and race impact for example the health advocate role and what are the expectations and is it fair to put expectations on people who need to advocate to be heard in medicine or who need to advocate you know for themselves and now we're assessing that. So that's kind of a place I'd like to go, but we are curious all day long. And I think that's where our other team members come in to say, you know, you've got a streamline focus, you know, that's the next project, you know, that's a really important question, park it, let's go here. So uh, the curiosity is is endless, but that's what we're working on right now is, is the women in medicine and their Me Too experiences. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead, Amelia. Oh, I was going to say that's that is it. We always we have a million backup research ideas, but we need to finish the first one we're on. I think for myself, I would love to do um, some more work around trauma informed care, particularly in sort of you know childbirth, but also just even you know when folks end up in the ER. Um, so that's kind of where I think sort of that feminist background gets to sort of have a, a nice. I don't, uh, yeah, it just finds a place in medical education. I think that's where maybe the next spot I would like to, to move. I have to say one of, one of my proudest moments so far in my early career was when Emily uh, said, you know, you are a feminist researcher. And I was, I was, wow, like that just felt huge to me. I'd never thought of myself that way. I didn't think I had the appropriate skills and, and, and understanding and, and that, mattered. And I think it mattered because like Emily, I came into medical education, not as a medical education researcher. Like a lot of people, I came from somewhere else and it took me a long time to feel like I belonged there and that I had a voice there. I don't claim that I have a, a voice out in the feminist literature there, but the fact that I might be making headway and that some of my work is doing that work that needs to be done, that really meant a lot to me. I think we need feminists everywhere. So wherever, and you know, I think Corey, like, this is people's experiences with healthcare and how we educate clinicians. I mean, this is who people interact with when they have these vulnerable moments in an exam room, right? Um, so anybody who can who can push forward equity and and provide people with tools, it's, it's a good fight to have. Nicely said. So I I know that you know each other pretty well, but let's see how much you know each other in oh, no. reality. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm going to ask you each of you, Corey, what will be one thing that most people don't know about Emily that makes her who she is? Okay, so I'm going to give away your secret. Everybody thinks that Emily is this sunshiny, so polite, so nice, so cheerful. Yes, she is all of those things, but she is also biting. She has a biting, wicked sense of humor and take on things that I don't know comes across in casual conversation. So, uh, and that's what I kind of love about her is she's able to take that, unlike me, where it just comes out as snark and biting. She's able to take her, her snark and, and put a little 
sunshiny spin on it, which <laughs> is hilarious. <laughs> We'd love to hear stories if you have any. Oh, uh, let me think of some good ones. <laughs> In the meantime, I'll ask Emily the same. What would be one thing that most people don't know about Corey that makes her who she is? Ooh, there's a lot, I think. What is one, though? I think, oh, Corey, this is a tough one. I would say, actually, how, how committed Corey, Corey, like, the, the being a concerned about saying the feminist thing, Corey, like, you are probably one person who is, is the most thoughtful, I would say, ongoing in terms of thinking about these bigger questions of, like, how do we make the world better and engaging in, like, really critical dialogue all the time far more than me actually I would say like there are times you bring stuff to me I'm like, wow Corey you are diving deep on this what are you doing um so I would say like Corey's compassion and also just like her commitment to yeah like keeping on top of, of what's going on in the world um you you are right on top of that any specific stories you want to share? Oh, want also, Corey to share? loves um, like a really good skincare routine. Oh, I love a skincare routine. <laughs> I would say I always like sitting beside Corey. I was saying, you're like, what are you doing for your skin to look this good? <laughs> like who, who did you, what did you sacrifice to the gods? What is the spell? Corey's got a great skincare regimen and she knows it all. So her, probably that too, your love of like beauty tutorials. I love, I love a skincare tutorial. It's kind of my brain candy when I'm taking the world too seriously. I will also put in a plug in that um, I have done fashion consultations for our oh. podcast, podcast host. So if there's anyone out there in MedEd who needs a fashion consult or a skincare routine, that's my unofficial side gig. Yeah. I can totally testify that the fashion consultation was extremely effective. Out of the amount of clothes that she ordered for me under a tight budget, I, I think I retained 90% of the clothes. So yeah. I would recommend it. <laughs> Okay, it's been so great to talk to you both. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this. Uh, it was fun. Thank you for sharing also your wisdom. I think it would be a very nice um, episode for everybody to listen and try to think about developing these kinds of relationships as well because it's very necessary for our community too. Thank you for being part of this and thank you for our, to our listeners and we will see you in the next episode. Thank you. Thank you. This has been The Curiosity Habit. This podcast is hosted by Syra Cristancho and produced by Monica Molinero. You can find all our episodes on podcast apps like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening.